It's Brooke Lurie on the Brooke Lurie Podcast. Always a pleasure to have you listening, and I'm so so grateful uh, on this Thanksgiving season to have great listeners like you. You've chimed in, you've you've showed your support, and I, I really do appreciate that. Uh, by the way, Atheism Destroys is coming out, and uh, very excited about this, and it's going to be a big hit. I, I just know it. Atheism Kills took off uh, like a rocket, and uh, Atheism Destroys, the second of this volume series, is going to do the same. So I really commend you to check it out. It's probably going to be out, uh, Larry, um, in about a week to 10 days, actually less than 10 days for the uh, the Kindle version of it. And then you can order pre-order, I think in 10 days. So uh, meaning 10 days from today, which is uh, what, November 24th, just the day before Thanksgiving. So I'm excited about this. I, I got to tell you, it's been a lot of effort. It's so deeply researched, this book. But I, you know, you can have a deeply researched book and overdo it, right? You can make it too academic. But no, 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 I don't do that. I just, I make it fun. Uh, it's a straightforward story. And it's, uh, it's not fiction, of course, but it tells stories. It's got a lot of humor to it. It's analytical. Um, it kind of compares notes with uh, different parts, uh, points of history. And it tears down the atheist arguments that somehow atheism is an awesome thing. So uh, this book focuses on how it destroys the institutions of, uh, that we love and cherish of civilization, such as um, relationships, yeah, sex, marriage, um, all the taboos that we, we need to advance civilization. How, for example, incest, okay? I, I'm telling you, without God, incest will come back into the scene. Right? Without God, you'll have not just poly, uh, polygamy, but polyamory, which is more likely because nobody really wants to get married anyway. But you're going to having this relationship craziness going on. And uh, then, of course, it's gonna, it destroys courage. It destroys the value of the First Amendment, free speech. As we think of free speech, without God, it, it means something completely different, completely. Uh, people don't, don't even know why they want free speech. They know it's the funniest thing. Uh, it also, I also show the connection between godlessness and the mafia, drug trafficking, and sex trafficking. How do you like that? And oh, and mass murderers too. So it's pretty cool. Um, if you are a believer, if you know that there is a God, as I do, you will come away uh, after reading Atheist and Destroyers feeling more emboldened, more passionate about your faith in God. You'll know your, the, the goodness of understanding God and having God in your life. Because by golly, without God, we will not have civilization. It's as simple as that. So without further ado, I want to introduce again uh, our great friend, Larry Greenfield. You've been such a hit in previous podcasts, Larry, that um, by popular demand, by me, (laughs) and I'm sure by other listeners, um, he's back on. He's co-hosting today. And I thank you for being here, Larry. I really do. And plus, you've got a fantastic voice. I thank you so much, Barack, and I just want to compliment you and your audience and listeners. This series of books about atheism is incredibly American as well. In God We Trust and God Bless America are two features. There are two prerequisites. There are two slogans of our country Why? Because even in a secular age, we understand that there was a foundational belief system, a religious orientation, and a respect for a supreme authority, which gave us the power Mm. and the independence 
not to have government, but rather the individual, the community, and the family as the key pillars of growing our nation. Wow. That's, thank you very much, first of all, for that. I do appreciate that. Yeah, it, it is interesting. I, I think it was G.K. Chesterton who said, you know, beyond the famous line of uh, when you don't believe in God, you don't believe in nothing, you believe, you, you'll believe in anything, right? Which is true. He, he's got a spot on. But he also said, more to your point, that before you take down a fence, ask why the fence was there in the first place, nice. right? Figure that out. And so, and, and what do I mean by that? The fence, you know, before we take away God from civilization, ask yourself, why was God there in the first place? Why, why do we have this? Is it a security blanket, uh, you know, or as the atheist thinks, and I'm, I know it because I used to think that, uh, you know, God was necessary once upon a time because the world was scary and everything else, but now we don't need him in much the same way that a butterfly no longer needs its cocoon, you know? They don't go back in the cocoon. We needed it once, don't need it now. That's the way they think. The way some have phrased it is that the scientific age liberated us to move past a kind of religious civilization. I don't think that's fair. I think that all along, humanity showed great skill and scientific achievement. Those who created the basis for math, for (laughs) building and construction, for a political science, mm-hmm. for all kinds of uh, inquiry, for mastery of our environment and nature. They were scientific. Yes, we have a more advanced, computerized, technologically advanced society. But to denigrate the scientific achievements of people who invented the ways we move in the world, our transportation, our, our fire, our housing, they were also scientific. Well, they were not only scientific, but most of them believed in God and had a very fierce belief in God. It, it is interesting that, you know, contrary to, and this is one of the ironies of atheism, is that atheism pretends as though they are liberating us, because I think you use that word. Um, when in fact, uh, it is faith, it is God that liberates us. They see it the opposite way. They see God as a prison, that you are restricting your brain and your intellect when you uh, take in God as your commanding center, right, as, as your grounding of everything, um, we see it exactly the opposite. We, we religious folk, uh, God frees us. He gives us, he's given us free will, and he's also given us freedom as well, and as, well as free speech, which, which goes with it. Um, but I, I, I think we're, I'm digressing a little bit because I, I wanted to just announce that Atheism Distorts is coming out. I'm very excited about it. And uh, my audience knows um, deeply how much I think that God is necessary for our civilization. I also think that you have a duty to find God, uh, a duty to go out there and really test, stress test your own beliefs, as it were. Not just, uh, you know, say, yeah, I believe in God. That's great. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to go to synagogue. And, you know, that's, and that's wonderful. I don't, I don't mean to poo-poo that. But I do say that with each passing breath that you have, Think about God in the equation, one way or the other. It is, you know, God, uh, here's, a, here's a tree. God was involved in the making of this tree. Um, here's this uh, air that I breathe in, carbon dioxide that I breathe out. There was God involved in that. Here's my friend Larry and my friendship with Larry. God is involved in that. You know, here's, here's my wife, beautiful as she is, and my three great kids. God was involved in all that. What, is God, what does God want from Barack Lurie? You know, he wants... He wants me to be the best Barack Lurie I can be. 
How about that? Well, your thoughtfulness just makes me ponder during this Thanksgiving week mm. that you're doing something that Socrates would have been proud of, that the ancients would have been proud of, that the Hebrews would have been proud of, and that the great philosophers would have been proud of. Mm -hmm. You're taking life seriously when you ponder yeah. the creator. Oh. Yes. And, and, and you know, the thing is that it's fun. I mean, I, it's really fun. I, you know, I, it, in the old days, I, my dad used to make us go running around the neighborhood, you know, for exercise and such. And I hated it. I hated it. I hated it. And now I love it, you know. Uh, but is it, is it like that? Is, is pondering God a, a burden uh, at first and then a joy later on, like, like I did with running? I don't think so. I think pondering God, even when you're a young kid, when you're six years old, obviously appropriate to the age of six so they can understand it in concept, but to, to ask questions like, why, isn't this amazing what we see around us? And to ponder those things um, can be a joy. And if you do that in everything you do, bringing God into the equation, uh, it's so much fun and it's intellectually freeing. And um, I, I love it. I love math. I love discovery. I love uh, everything. And, and your atheist friend will say, well, that sounds like you're trying to run away from God because you, they, they, cause they think that science and God, you know, are, are two different things and they, you know, they might as well be as different as iOS and uh, PC computers, right? They, they think it's so far different from each, each other. On the contrary, no. God gives, gives us science. God gives us curiosity. God gave us math. God gave us statistics. God gave us philosophy. That, that's, that's the great secret. I mean, they, they, don't, they don't seem to get that. They, they want to they think that somebody else has, or something else has given us those things. That's man-made. And they're, they're just very wrong about it. We lose all these things if we don't have God. If you pluck God out of the equation, you will very soon realize, if you're intellectually honest with yourself, that, that none of the stuff that we treasure, the study of the galaxies, for example, the study of the heart, the study of uh, any kind of science, biology, physics, chemistry, and so forth, not necessary. What do you care? I had a debate with uh, this guy, and his name is Tom Jump. You can, you're welcome to look at it on YouTube. If you look under Barack Lurie, Tom Jump, um, you'll see this, this debate. And, it was, and I, I posed a question to him very simply. What do you care about science, really? Oh, to make a better world, you know? Why, why do you care about a better world? I mean, there's not going to be anything after you die. If you're, if you're an honest atheist, you have to believe that. Then what do you care about your your uh, descendants, right? What do you care about people a thousand years from now? And he goes, well, I know but science is useful to help us uh, learn about uh, making life more pleasant. And I said, well, okay, first of all, we have enough pleasantries right now. We have air conditioning. We have flights to go everywhere. We, we've got uh, everything from, um, I don't know, movies to... Um, air conditioning, yeah, ice yeah, cubes. Air conditioning. Yeah, ice cubes. I mean, you know, we, we can fast food. We got everything we could possibly really want to make a happy life, right? And we've got the medicines. We could just stop right now. Just stop, right? But, but there, and yet, Larry, there, there are people who are studying galaxies and black holes that are 100 million light years away and theorizing about other universes, which I don't think is, I think it's bunk, but that's another story. They're theorizing about, you know, string theory and things like this. That has nothing to do, that will never impact you 
our lives at any point in our lives going forward, nor will it impact anybody 100 years from now. And dare I say, it won't impact anybody 500 years from now. So what's the point? You're an atheist. What do you care? And, and, and this guy he didn't really have an answer for that. It was kind of funny. Um, but there's really no use. I mean, that, that's why you're seeing the destruction of institutions that we otherwise love. For example, my, my favorite example is music uh, and art. But, so let's start with the art, actually. Art used to be meaningful, used to be beautiful, but it has been destroyed. I, I can't go to a modern art place and, and take it seriously. It's garbage. All of it's garbage. I have I've yet to see a piece of modern art, and I mean modern art coming like 1960 and later, maybe even earlier than that, uh, where I think uh, I'm moved in any way. There's nothing there. Whereas art in the old days, it was about the glorification of God, seeking some, some form of beauty that is in turn associated with God, right? Music uh, is better um, than art because the art institution is mostly funded by government and everything else. So it's kind of a funky organization altogether. But music also, there's a degradation of music, let's face it, right? We've gone from Hey Jude... Uh, to, um, wow. to to rap music, generally speaking, and violence toward women, and and you know glorifying of, of rape of women for that matter. It's it's weird. And um, there's music. The music isn't about anything. It's not about love. It's not about being a better person, being a kinder person. Um, you know, at least the Beatles said, you know, all all you need is love. You know, I mean, I, I'm not saying that they're right, but but you get the idea. Um, and there was some sort of aspiration, but there's no aspiration anymore. So uh, the, the, all the, the things that we value are just not important in the, in the mind of an atheist. If you really think it through, there's no reason to get married. There's no reason, even more importantly, no reason to have kids. I do not understand. No atheist has explained to me why they would have kids. None. In fact, religious societies tend to be creative ones. They create economies. They create children. They create dreams. Mm -hmm. They create memories. And ultimately, they create meaning. And I think what you're driving at is a life rooted in some spiritual sense of the creator, the divine, and godliness inculcates and models, therefore, and inspires even a life of meaning. Gosh, that's very well said, Larry. That's exactly what it is. If you want meaning, you have to have God in it. Done. End of story. Thank you very much. Have a nice day. This has been the Brock Larry Podcast. Thanks very much for listening. No, I've got, I've got, I'm kidding around, but the point is that there's really no point. I mean, you have to ask yourself, what's the point? Most people don't dig just a little bit, just a little bit further. Well, what are the consequences of that? So they'd like to think that yeah, the Bible is a bunch of silly stories and um, not, not, not interested. Thank you very much. They don't want to because they dismiss the notion of God altogether, they never ask the question, well, how is it then that life came to be at all on the planet? Forget about evolution. How is it? And they, 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 can't, they can't ask the question because if they did, they would realize it's almost impossible to have happened randomly. In fact, it is impossible to have happened randomly. There's no way you can explain it other than through a divine spark. That there's no way uh, the probabilities are so obscenely low. And then, of course, 
uh, all the perfection and the fine tuning of the universe. If it was even, I think I just read a great book about this, a one, 120 with like 400 zeros behind it. That's how absurd it was. If it was that much of a margin of difference in terms of the heat and the molecular structure, we would have no universe. Not the universe that we have today. We'd have an explosion, but it'd be all gaseous. Nothing would happen. And there certainly wouldn't be life. And uh, all the incredible anomalies and the incredible improbabilities of not just life, but the intelligent life that we are now enjoying right now. The notion of free will, the notion of consciousness, uh, all these things that you would have to ask yourself, how is it that I, I have a sense of myself? Where does that come from? Where? No, no evolutionist, no atheist has been able to, to explain away the notion of consciousness. None. Right? You, you can make a very sophisticated robot very sophisticated. It can look like and almost feel like, and if you put the right silicon on it, you can make it feel like a real human being. And it has, you can make a bunch of if-then statements and program it in such a way that it appears to be mimicking a real human being. But we will know that that robot does not have self-awareness in the same way that you and I have self-awareness. Impossible. How do you like that? So these are questions that an atheist can't, will not ask himself because if he does, he's worried about the answer. And when you're worried about the answer and you say, you know what, in all likelihood, there is a creator. Maybe not, maybe it's not the same creator as the Bible, whatever, but you know what? I, I'm not comfortable with that. And then they have to ask, why are they not comfortable? And, and, and Larry, and I'll come to an answer to that. When I discovered God, I think it was my uh, senior year in college. I remember a very strange feeling of incredible resistance. I just didn't want to believe in God. I, I didn't like it. I was kicking and screaming. And then I asked myself, why am I kicking and screaming to this? What, what's so, what's so uh, horrible about thinking that there's a God? What, I mean, if, that's, if that's the conclusion I've reached that the, the probabilities are so obvious that there's a creator to the universe. Why am I feeling so resistant to this? Why? And the answer came very simply to me, because I didn't want to believe in a creator. Why did I not want to believe in a creator? Because once you believe in a creator, then you have to ask, what does the creator want from me? And you know the answer. It's a rhetorical question. The, the creator wants you to be responsible. He wants you to be accountable. There is such a thing as good and bad. There is such a thing as right and wrong. And you start realizing, oh, crap, I've got a lot of work to do. That's why I went kicking and screaming before I started believing in God. But I had to be honest with myself. There's a God. And then I concluded, of course, that that same God was the God of the Bible. And I'm, I'm happy to be here. And it was hard work along the way. But boy, oh boy, the things, I, you know, I look around and, and Larry, I'll, maybe I'll ask you the same thing. I, you know, I don't know, I don't know that I would be married if I were not a believer. I don't know that I would have three kids. I have three, I wish I had six kids, but I have three kids, but I don't know that I have more, that I would have more than one kid if I were um, an atheist. Don't know why I would do it. 
This is very powerful, what you're saying. The gift of believing. Even if you want to be intellectually curious and humble about what God is, is God still around, who was the creator, what are the demands on us if there is a creator, it's fine to be humble about and curious about all of that. But if you don't believe in any of it, if you don't have it as an option, if you don't think that it's possible, if you're not impressed by the consequences of belief in God, then that's very sad. Yeah. And I think it's nihilistic, and I think you will act out. First of all, you'll find other things to believe in, like you said, mm-hmm. like big government as the controlling authority, mm-hmm. or other isms, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or other religions, or other pseudo um, religious paths. You'll find something to motivate you, to try to give you meaning. Um, so I'm very humble as a believer. I'm curious and I'm a seeker. I'll return to the American um, perspective, which is so powerful to me. Because the United States has been so successful, I want to give it some respect. What are the roots of that success and liberty and opportunity for so many, even with all our flaws in the past? Lincoln, in his Thanksgiving Day proclamation of 1863, During the Civil War, when times were tough for so many, he made it about God. It was thankfulness to God. Mm -hmm. The final founding father of this country, the man who made the Declaration of Independence come alive in his time and rooted his emancipation of slaves in the meaning of equality in the Declaration, knew enough to be inspired by Mm -hmm his belief that the United States was a God-centered civilization. Yeah. Wow, that's, that's really wonderful. I like, I like your phrase that you just said. You said the gift of believing in God. And that, thank you for that. I, I, I think it really is a gift. And it's a shame. It's like, uh, you know, you have a, you have a child and uh, a daughter, you know, more grown up than my kids are. But you know, you know this experience when, when you know that, your child is going to love something and they resist it, right? Oh, you're going to love, it, it might be a food, right? Or it might be a great movie that you've seen mm. or a great, a great song that you know that they're going to love, but they're resistant. I don't want to hear it, Dad. I, 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 no, 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 no. You say, you say, just one bite, just take one bite. And they're still resistant, but then they do it and they say, oh, I love this. This is awesome. <laughs> you're right, Dad. And uh, it's a great feeling, Right. But the same thing with the, the gift, as you say, of believing in God. That it's a true joy. Um, now, you know, you know, I make the distinction between believing in God and knowing God. And believing is wonderful. I, I highly recommend it. But I know that there's a God. When you get to that point, it's even more joyous. More responsibility, but more joyous. Anyway, the point is when people reject God, I don't, I don't feel like arguing with them although I will if they want to debate me. I have no problem with that. And I always win. And it's, it's not, that's not because I'm a genius. I'm not. It's just, I just know my stuff. I, you can't get around the free will issue. You can't get around consciousness. You can't get around that. Anyway, the point is, when, when they say they don't believe in I don't want to argue with them. I just feel sorry for them because they're not availing themselves of, of this great movie, this great song, this great food, right? I mean, 
you're just going to love it, dude. You're just going to love it. And it opens up your mind. It doesn't, you think it's going to close your mind or somehow I, and, and I always confront them. And then I said, it's not that you don't believe in God. It's because it's that you don't want to believe in God. So here's my gift to you, Barack. All right. I can't imagine that priests, ministers, and rabbis and others who are teachers and preachers wouldn't want this on their bookshelf and as a gift to their congregants and have you speaking widely to their congregations and spreading this gift, this joy, this blessing. So this book is going to be a huge success, and I recommend that all those in the religious world, congregants listening right now, let your rabbi, priest, and minister know about this. Well, that is very kind of you. I, I, I'm, I, thank you for the plug on that, and I do appreciate that. I, and look, I, I will be speaking in front of a lot. I mean, I know it because that's what happened with Atheism Kills. It even happened with my Rise of the Sex Machines books, which was, I mean, a very nice success. And I did a tour, and it was very exciting, and I'm glad to be having to do it again. To me, it's a joy. I, I will get those invites. Um, and... And it's just a pleasure. It really is. I meet some really nice people too. But people really enjoy seeing that there's even more to their belief than they previously believed. They, they do enjoy that. Um, for example, when I talk to uh, Christian audiences, and we're Jewish, you, you and I are Jewish, um, I say, do you guys, when, when somebody confronts you about God, or Jesus, and say, oh, how can you believe in that garbage, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, what do you say? And they, they, you know, typically what they'll say in response, and the listeners among us, you know, maybe you feel this way too. I'll, I'll, I'll let you pause, guys, the listeners here. When somebody says to you, how can you believe that garbage? What do you say? Okay? Now think about it for a second. And my guess is that, because I know a lot of you, a lot of Christian, the typical Christian response is, well, we'll talk about faith and we'll say it's a matter of faith and it just has improved my life a lot and makes me feel more grounded as a, as a person and gives me purpose. And uh, you, of course, can believe what you want to and, and I, I wish you the best and uh, God bless you regardless of whether you believe in him or not. You know, more or less, that's the answer that they have. When the atheist hears that, it means nothing to them. They, they don't uh, suddenly resonate to you and suddenly say, wow, that guy seems happy by being a believer. They don't say that. I know because I'm an atheist. I was an atheist, rather. Um, the, what the Christian needs to do is to be much more knowledge, uh, have much more knowledge about their own background. Most Christians don't know anything about their the history of Christianity. They, they have zero knowledge of it. They or very little. They don't know that Christianity was uh, the inventor of the university. Okay? And, and what was the purpose of the university? To find truth. It wasn't to advance God. It was to find truth, which they believed would lead to God. Sure. But truth. Uh, you know, if it was just a seminary, then it would just be a seminary. But instead, they, they taught the university for the purpose of learning math, for the purpose of learning physics and chemistry and history and all the other sciences and such like that, and liberal arts, with the idea that you'll get closer to God. That was it. The university came from the church. Oops, 
right? Same thing with hospitals. Same thing with the, the school system as we think of it today. Same thing with the charity system. Same thing for that matter as, as, as recent as the uh, Alcohols, Alcoholics Anonymous. That was a, that it wasn't an event. It was, it was, a, it was uh, developed by a Christian organization. Mm-hmm. It was started by some guy who wasn't necessarily Christian, but what took it off, what became the AA that you and I think of, that's a Christian organization. All, all these great organizations and great institutions, uh, you know, we have Christianity to think about. To thank for now, Judaism. We have we basically gave the notion of time. Uh, people don't know about that. We gave we invented time. A week. Well, a week, yes, but also the notion of moving forward, mm-hmm. progress. Uh, progress. Uh, there was no such thing as time as we think of it today. Uh, before the Jews, that was the gift. One of the gifts of the Jews. We also gave liberty. The notion of liberty. The notion of justice, um, and of course, the Ten Commandments. The sense of morality. These are powerful things that, uh, you know, the atheist will try to dance around it. Oh, there was a, there were, you know, a couple of cultures that had a sense of rules too. And this is just, you know, it was just more advanced, this Judaism business. But yeah, but it just, it just evolved. No, you don't know what you're talking about. We gave, we gave the world, Christianity and Judaism gave the world a ton of things. And atheism gave the world bupkis, which is Yiddish for nothing. Okay. And it's, uh, you got to be proud of it. You got you to gotta fight back and say, okay, listen, here's what my faith did for the world. Um, and the, the Catholic and the Christian can say, you know, the university, the sciences, and, you know, the, the scientific method, by the way, also, uh, all these things. And uh, how about you? What did atheism give the world? Tell me. I'm, I'm all ears. Right? That's, so that's where the rubber meets the road. And now imagine you're just a believer in God. You, you're a believer because your family is a believer and that's that. And you like your church and stuff like that. And you like identifying as a Christian or as a Jew. But then you're, you're told about this and you say, you know what? I like that. I like that a lot. And suddenly you're more, you're more uh, invested as a Christian or as a Jew, right? Think of it the same way as you would being an American, right? You could be born in America, you could be an American. You can live by all the rules of the road and, you know, go to school and you can become, uh, you know, whatever job you want, a cook, a chef, a, a janitor, a, I don't know, a lawyer, doctor, and just go about your life. But isn't it more cool to know how awesome America is and what America gave the world? Wouldn't you be more proud to be an American? Doesn't it mean something different to you when you know what America has given the world? I think so. Absolutely. Right? So, Larry, let me ask you. um, If you you, um, can say one thing about why you believe in God, what what it means to you to believe in God, you know, the thing that kind of has impacted you the most about God, what would that be? I think it's about creation. I think that all things that are created have a creator. My, my, my dad would love you, by the way, but go ahead. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, I reciprocate. Um, I can't imagine something that's created that didn't have a creator. And I've never heard a rebuttal to that. Mm-hmm. And since creation exists and created beings exist, there was a creator. Uh, children are created by their parents. 
a watch or a clock is created by the watchmaker or the clockmaker. Uh, the universe had to have been created. And I just can't um, intellectually uh, accede to mm-hmm. a no God, no creator position. And ultimately, that did win me over. I love that. I, I just, I love hearing people's journeys because first of all, I always learn something. I always do. Cause I, the way you phrased it, uh, first of all, it makes so much sense, but the way you phrased it, uh, is, is new to me. It's different. So I, I love, you know, when I, when I speak to a, somebody of faith, I, I, that's my favorite question to ask them. How is it that you came to faith? Or how, how is it that your faith improved from, from you know, point A to point B? And, uh, and they, they give me a story, and I love it. It's, it's great. I want to, and I learn. That, that's a good one. I, you know, the, uh, that, that makes me think, and it, it makes total sense. I've heard the argument about the watch on the beach, right? You know, you, you stumble, you, you walk on the beach, and you see a watch, and you, you assume that somebody left it there, you know, maybe looking for it for that matter, but you, you don't assume that the, the waves somehow, you know, <laughs> move the sand in just the perfect way, uh, to make this watch with the leather strap and everything else. You assume that, you know, somebody made that and, and some person wore that watch and, and dropped it on the beach by mistake. That's it. That's the way it works. And that's what your creator story is all about. There's so many ways to get to God. That's the beauty of it. The many, many ways you can, uh, you know, it, it, it would be a thousand page book to get to. One would be um, that the, the creation part of it. I think that would be a great chapter just in and of itself. Another way would be to talk about uh, the probabilities, which is a big favorite of mine. Yes. Uh, the other way is to debunk the, ev- uh, the random evolution concept because we now know that it's totally false narrative. Um, and the Cambrian explosion of fossils, fossil records proves that evolution didn't happen the way that, uh, that Darwin would uh, present it. And then there's the free will argument, the consciousness argument, uh, the, the improbabilities and the fine-tuning arguments of everything else. There's a tremendous amount. And then there's the practical arguments, like do you want to live in a world without God, which is... Many, in many ways, what my book is all about, my books are all about, um, yes. that you wouldn't have civilization. You wouldn't have it. I mean, if, if these things are important to you, then you, you should do it. And then you, but then you have to ask yourself, and that's another chapter, like, why, why have a civilization at all? Why do, we, why do we have purpose? Why do we have civilization? Why do we have art, uh, music? Why do we have a sense of beauty? Why do we have any of those things? Why do we have a need for appreciation? Animals don't need that, right? There's so many different things. And then a final chapter, speaking about animals, just the differences between humans on the one hand and animals on the other. That, that, that alone would be a huge chapter. So I always like to ask people how they got to God. And, and if, they, if they say something like, I don't know. Uh, you know, I was in the supermarket and uh, I saw somebody fall and I helped her out and made me feel good and I felt connected to God and, and that kind of changed my mind. Um, I don't like, I, I mean, I, you know, bully for them. I like that. It's good that they got to God somehow, but that's not a strong enough reason. I, 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 I want people to be a little bit more diligent in their intellectual push uh, to understand God. They, they have that duty and we can talk about that in another time, I suppose, but 
the duty to find God is a very strong one, and I, I think it's a very enjoyable process. And as Larry said, it's it's a gift. Have you had any success, Barack, with atheists or agnostics or those who are intellectually honest or curious to say, I like your practical um, mm-hmm. arguments too, yeah. um, not just philosophical and religious and spiritual, where you say, do you see how the decline of God, the loss of God, the absence of God is an indicator of a deteriorating civilization. Yes, uh, I have seen. I, I, it's been very um, eye-opening to a lot of people. I, I'm, I'm pleased to report that. You know, that's, that's my main mission, of course. You know, I've, I guess I have two missions. One is to help the atheist or the, those who don't have God in their lives in a, in a serious way appreciate God more and appreciate the necessity of God, even if they don't believe in God, just to appreciate. Um, and then finally, to, to also respect and appreciate all those, those crazy people who go about, you know, their church uh, silly ways, you know. I, I want them to appreciate those people too. And I say this is a Jew, right? Um, the other thing, and very importantly, is that we need to, to preach to the choir, as it were. We, a lot of the choir just, they don't know why they believe in God, and they should they should really uh, push themselves very strongly. So to answer your question, yes, uh, many people have asked that. And I have have said, you know, I've, that I've made them think in ways that they didn't expect to think. Uh, and that's a real honor and it's a real pleasure. I, I've turned people around. Um, what I've noticed uh, as a pattern is those who are deeply atheist and are, who are older and have, have lived a life as an atheist you know, this is not going to be surprising, they are very uh, reluctant to open the door to God because, you know, what do you do when you've spent 65 years, let's say 70 years on the planet, and you've, le- you've led a, an atheistic life, perhaps one of hedonism, not, not reckless, not illegal or anything else, but, eh, you know, you've gone from one woman to the next, uh, kind of eh, cheated on your taxes, uh, been a little bit immoral uh, in other ways. Um, engaged in some sort of other behaviors that are just kind of a little too salacious. Didn't have a, never got married, never have kids because, you know, you don't believe in that kind of crap. Uh, And I say that in quotes, by the way. And then all of a sudden, at the age of 70, you realize, I was wrong. I was really wrong. All those people I was laughing at, I now have to respect. And all my life was a waste and you can't go back and suddenly have a family all of a sudden, right? You just can't do that. And suddenly, now you have to worry about all the hedonistic ways and such. But the good news is both Christianity and Judaism, you know, you say, okay, that's done. That's in the past. You, you forgive yourself, God forgives you too. Now it's time to move forward. So there's that opening. But I think a lot of people are, are too afraid of that. They, they'd rather continue on with their atheist ways to think that they were right in the first place. And uh, thank you very much. I, I'm just going to continue on with my ways. And I, I don't want you to even open the door for me to even think so. That's why atheists are so dismissive, by the way. They really are dismissive. Take a look at you, my YouTube channels, uh, the commentary on my YouTube channels, uh, which are, it's doing enormously well. I, I, don't know, I, I don't know how many tens of thousands of followers I have now, but it's, it's good. And I've got... I have so many comments on there, but they're all vapid comments that say nothing. Instead of actually addressing the, the video that, where I'm articulating certain points, 
if they were to say, look, you know, Lurie says X, and uh, historically he's wrong, and here's why. It's not X. That, that'd be one thing. We could, we could debate there. But instead he says, you know, commentary like, what a, what a, you know, hot, what a bunch of hot air. This guy is such a loser, whatever. As if that means anything to me, right? It doesn't mean anything to anybody. But, but they're dismissive. That's my point. So the final thought that comes into my mind regarding this entire conversation is the question I have for you, which you probably explore in your books, but if not, maybe you will in your future writing. Mm -hmm. Does belief in God, does uh, fealty to God, knowing God, necessarily lead to goodness, good behavior? Can you be a hedonist and still believe in God? You drew, you drew quickly a line between one of your early sentences, which is that God demands responsibility and it implies that you'll choose a good, a good or a better life maybe if you believe in God mm-hmm. or God has a demand, an ethical demand on you. So I want you to be clear-minded in your communications with everyone, which I'm sure you are, mm-hmm. to draw that link because maybe you're 70 and you're an atheist and you turn to... Uh, a warmer appreciation for God, but maybe you still want to be the hedonist or you're not necessarily going to obey all of God's commandments. Mm. So does belief in God, knowing God, always translate into good behavior? Well, you, you, you said something just now that was interesting. Does, does believing in God, knowing God, trans- but those are two very different things, yes. right? So, and that's why I say believing in God in many ways is a little bit, I wouldn't say dangerous, but I would say uh, problematic because believing in God allows you to give yourself a personal exit from any troublesome moment that you might be dealing with. So, for example, you're married and you see a really hot woman uh, coming by and she's flirting with you and you can't imagine, you're starting imagining how nice it would be to be with her. And then next thing you know, you're having an affair. And you say, yeah, I believe in God. But not now. <laughs> I don't believe in him now. But if you know there's a God, right, that's a different story. If, if, once you know there's a God, it's, it's not, you know, you can't, you can't dance around it. You can't play the game anymore. But, but to answer your question, um, can you believe in God and still be a hedonist? Of course. But then you're really only paying lip service to God. Because if you really have God in your heart, if you really know that there's a God, you wouldn't be a hedonist in the first place. You would know that that's antithetical to knowing God, uh, not just because God doesn't want it, but because it, it runs counter to your, your, uh, your mission as a God-knower, your mission as a God-believer. Uh, so it's a little bit like, I don't know, um, this side, you know, your car runs on uh, gasoline, but you put diesel in it instead. You know, I'd like to see if it works it, or, or anything else. You know, I, I believe in education, but, you, you know, you decide to um, skip school the entire time. Well, what's the point? So that's my invitation to you mm-hmm. is to help clarify, which I know you can do, how knowing God deeply translates into ethics. Really, that's the, that's mm-hmm. the challenge. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, the, the, uh, the Jewish sages of old, uh, that's everything to them. They, they take uh, not only from the Torah, which is uh, the, you know, the, the Bible, what people think of as the Bible, the first five books at least, and, and the Talmud, which interprets uh, the Torah. And that's where we get all of our sense of ethics from. Everything is all there. 
And it's wonderful. <clears throat> and this is the study of Torah. This is the study of the Talmud so that we can be the best people we can be. And the studying of it itself is a joy, uh, as you say, a gift of, of believing in God. Uh, and doing the mitzvot, which is, uh, you know, the good deeds, if you want to loosely translate it. Those, those are the things. I, I, to me, it, they go one, in, one in, you know, hand in hand with each other. Well, it's it's very difficult to to believe in God and then at the same time I don't know, live a, live the life of a pimp let's say okay live the life of a con artist live the life of a, of an adulterer live the life of a, of a thief it can't really it it doesn't it doesn't work well so the most important challenge then that a Western atheist or a critic mm-hmm. or an intellectually curious sincere person would give to you is. Aren't there now and haven't there always been many God-knowers who've acted poorly, unethically, uh, mischievously, tyrannically, terroristically? And so I'm just inviting you to make sure to draw a careful line for yeah, everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I get what you're saying. Well, look, I'll say there have been many people uh, who professed to believe in God who have done these things. I think there are a lot of people who you know, played the game of believing in God because the rest of the world believed in God and they used it to their own exploitative advantage. Uh, we see a lot of that in, uh, you know, the Iranian regime, for example, um, and Jim Jones. I mean, people have used, you know, uh, God falsely uh, to advance their own uh, very evil agenda. So we have to, we, yeah, we have to, we have to separate those people out. But for the people who actually do believe in God, really in their own hearts, and only they know whether they believe in God, right? Uh, you know, from, from our outside perspective, how, how would we know if this person really believes in God? But for those who really do believe in God, and that's ultimately your question, uh, you know, do they falter? Yeah, of course. But at least they know they're faltering. That's, I think that's the big point here. Um, if I, I don't know, if I were to, engage in drunk behavior a lot all of a sudden and uh, womanizing a lot, um, which I you know, have no intention of doing. But let's say I slipped into that. Okay, let's say, uh, I don't know, I got in a big argument with my wife and she, I, I perceived her to be nasty to me and I thought, I tell myself, you know what, I'm going to go see other women. She doesn't have to know about it. I'm going to have some fun. I'll know what I'm doing is wrong. Whereas somebody who doesn't know God, somebody who doesn't believe in God even, would tell himself, this is perfectly rational. I'm not getting uh, the action I want at home. I'm not being appreciated at home. Uh, Marriage is just a piece of paper. Um, And I'm going to have some fun. Okay? We're doing exactly the same action, meaning womanizing in this particular example. And yet, the first time, at least he'll know that he's going outside the margins of society. And that's very important, to, to at least know it, to, to understand that they have slipped. And that's what sinning means, right? And to take a false step. Um, I, I love all of this topic, and I, and I thank you so much, Larry, for being part of this. You always bring out things that are just wonderful. Uh, I know that you are a deep lover of God and that that you embrace God in every aspect of your life too. I, I just, ever, ever since I've written Atheism Kills and way before even for that, I just, 
I have sensed about myself a very different um, passion for God than the run-of-the-mill passion. And I have, I, and I wonder why all the time. And I, and I, I finally have concluded why. Because I was an atheist, as you know. I was a very deep atheist. I can out-atheist any atheist. Don't even try. I can debate you and beat you as, as an atheist. I can, de- I can beat you. And as a believer, as a knower, I can beat you. You can't win with me, okay? I'm, I'm, I, I don't know if I'm good in a lot of things. I don't know. I think I'm a good father. I think I'm a good lawyer. I think I'm a good writer. But I know I'm a good debater on this topic and only this topic. You can't beat me, okay? So the point is, why do I, why do, I do this? Why, do I, why am I different in this? Because I'm fighting myself. That's why. I'm fighting, I'm, I hate my former atheism in some ways. I, I'm fighting my, this Brock Lurie of old who mocked people for believing, who had contempt for believers as people who are uh, surrendering their intellect uh, for the sake of numbing their brains and, and feel-goodism. No, I, so I'm, I'm talking to that guy. And I'm, I've proved my... I, I've won my, the, the debate with myself a long time ago, but I'm still doing it. Always will do. So my final word then would be warmest praise to you for sticking with your search, sticking to your principles, and committing to recording for yourself, your times, and your legacy. All of this scholarship, all of this uh, passion, all of this knowledge. Thank you, Larry. I I really appreciate that. And thank you very much for being here. This has uh, been a great... Uh, eye-opening and uh, hopefully uh, satisfying show for the listener as well. Everyone, have a great Thanksgiving. Uh, have a great uh, New Year as well, ultimately, and great Christmas. We're so And Hanukkah, that's right, Hanukkah's coming around. Anyway, God bless, be strong, and we'll talk with you next week.